Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs, I Michael Thompson talking. It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. This is Jerry Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. January 27th, and as we like to say, we're getting towards February. We got three more football games that count, and then it comes the crazy time. It's it's one of our favorite times. You get free agency. You have all the crazy rumors. We get the draft. It leads you to the offseason with the previews of each team. This is where it starts to pick up, and I know a lot of people would think, well, what about every Sunday? Well, obviously, but I mean, it's there's only so many games you can review, <laughs> but there's always stuff to talk about. I'm very excited. Uh, Ryan Cook coming in here solo tonight, rocking and rolling with you guys. Be here for a little bit. We got at 1030, Johnny Kamer coming in from Houdat Dish to talk about the New Orleans Saints. Uh, but before that, in just a few minutes, friend of the show who's been with us numerous times, you guys all know the Reverend Ralph Mancini coming in here to talk about our rival, essentially, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we, we wanted to start with the Green Bay Packers because there's just so much intrigue with what's happening. So much just, you know, and, and not even just this year, but this has been something that's been going on for you know, the better part of over a year now. And uh, it's it's exciting to see because you never know what's going to happen. This is the second time now with, with a star-studded quarterback that they've had where this has happened again. I mean, I heard somewhere Jordan Love made a joke that said uh, he's excited to uh, play 15 years for the team, win a Super Bowl, and then disgruntedly leave, <laughs> which I don't know if that was a for sure statement, but that's pretty funny. And even if it's a joke, it's a good joke. But, you know, Aaron, from everything I've seen, Aaron Rodgers is, is seemingly more content than last year when the frustrations come in. But, you know, we see three hours ago that Rodgers uh, selling his home and everyone's going to go, oh, my God, he sold me. Yeah, it's, it's California. There's nothing to do with Green Bay. It's just like, hold your horses. <laughs> I don't know what that means, uh, you know, exactly. I don't think it means anything. It's just people trying to get content out there to get content. Um, but we know Denver was something that was a speculation to begin with last year. And now the fact that Nathaniel Hackett has become that Denver Bronco next head coach, it's going to continuously loom even more. You know for a fact that's going to be a thing. Um, there's there's also even more so talk now that uh, that Hackett is is going to try to grab um, uh, the offensive line coach Adam Stenovich to come be his offensive coordinator. Sports Illustrated posted that three hours ago. Um, so a lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff coming up here. Um, for those of you, uh, last night, if you were listening to WrestleCast, uh, we hit three. We went three hours. We had to end our award show. Um, I've heard a mixed bag that there was audio issues, so I'm going to go back and check that out. If so, um, you know, there's not much really to recover with Game Changer Wrestling. The show was what it was, but we will redo our award show 
Um, we're going to do a live stream on Twitch on Sunday. And as you know, Saturday we'll be coming back to you uh, 11 p.m. Central Standard Time with our review of the Royal Rumble. <sighs> um, can't believe we're doing a reaction show to the, the E. Uh, then at midnight, it's a later show, but at midnight, uh, we'll, uh, Ho-Ho Loon will be joining us. Uh, Ho-Ho Loon, the Dragon Gate wrestler, also does the English commentary uh, with uh, Jay on the English Dragon Gate feed. Uh, also the founder of uh, Kong, uh, Hong Kong Pro Wrestling. Um, just got done with his trip to the U.S. where he was working MLW and a few other places. Um, so we're, we're excited to talk to Ho-Ho Loon. I think it's going to be really interesting to just kind of just chat with him for, for a lot of you that, that remember he was in the Cruiserweight Classic and um, nobody really seen or heard of him and then you know, I, I kept seeing Dragon Gate stuff, and then he started doing the commentary, and, you know, now he's been traveling, and, you know, he's, he's becoming a, a, a cult favorite with his commentary, so very excited to uh, check out, check that out, so once again, guys, that'll be midnight, uh, just to accommodate with his time zone, because uh, it'll be 3 p.m. for him, so he'll be rocking and rolling with us, uh, chatting it up, and then on Sunday, we will be doing that live Twitch stream, also tomorrow. Don't forget to catch up. We got we got the Twitch stream tomorrow. We got the run the the radio Saturday night. Ho Ho Loon calling in from from Tokyo, and then uh, Sunday we got the live Twitch stream. So busy week continuing as we were on yesterday, but uh, we're gonna just jump right into it here. No time to no time to waste. Uh, Ralph, you with us there? Hey fellas, how's it going? Oh, very excited, very excited to have you. I'm coming at you solo tonight. We uh, but Luke had a, a uh, a slight emergency where he had to run, but I said, "Dang it, we're gonna we're gonna still have some fun, especially for the simple fact that, as we talked about, you know, the the off season is always always the funnest time, and it, it began for all but four teams on Sunday, and I can't wait to dig in here and discuss this team of yours. But as I always like to do, uh, why don't you go ahead uh, introduce yourself for all of our new listeners that are coming on this week and. Uh, what, what you got? Because I always want to make sure you guys can get all plugs and everything in there at the beginning at the end. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, my name is Ralph Mancini. Um, I can be found at, at Reverend Ralph on Twitter. Um, I uh, have penned a lot, quite a few Packer columns, uh, articles in the past. I still do to, uh, I still do so from time to time. But <laughs> I am a passionate, very passionate Packers fan. And um, absolutely, I, uh, you know, I'm ready to talk some Packers. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't ready to be talking about the offseason and, and plans for the next few months this early. But, you know, here we are. And, uh, you know, it's time to face reality. It, it's one of those things, too. And before we start breaking down all the what ifs, because there's so many that, that developed after, after last weekend. But, you know, three years in a row, 13 wins. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, it's remarkable. I mean, I, I haven't seen a, I don't think there's been a coach that's won 39 games like that coming right out the gate since maybe Madden, if I can think of anybody who has just been so great with the highest win percentage ever. Um, NFC championships and the 49ers just seem to be a combination of kryptonite. Is is it one of those things where when you went into that game, did you already kind of have that weird Oh, feeling like as Vikings fans, we go to NFC championship games and we go, are we going to get beat by 40 or are we just going to miss it on a kick? <laughs> you know? Well, you know, that, 
that was the narrative going into that game. You know, once uh, everybody knew that the 49ers were going to be our next opponent, you know, people were like, oh, yeah, they were talking about them like the boogeyman, you know, oh, they're the big bad Niners. I mean, quite frankly, I, I wasn't as worried or as fearful or apprehensive, if you will. I mean, just because, you know, the Packers had already beaten them in the regular season, uh, and that was a good game, week three. Uh, granted, but, you know, I, I just think that, you know, I was confident in this team. Uh, I think this was one of the more complete Packer teams uh, during the regular season. Um, I thought that the defense had steadily improved throughout the year. Uh, Rodgers obviously playing at MV, an MVP caliber, MVP level. And so I really, I really wasn't that worried going into this game. And quite frankly, I mean, they should have won this game. They had this game won if not for special teams, and in particular, if not for two plays on special teams. The missed field goal at the end of the half, uh, and uh, I should say uh, the blocked field goal at the end of the half, and then the blocked punt at the end of the game. If not for those two plays, Packers win this game. I mean, you know, quite frankly, you know, and I'm sure there are people out there who would agree with me, uh, throughout throughout the game, I I thought the Packers were going to win. I, you know, I – I was fully confident that they were going to find a way to win. I thought they had outplayed the 49ers for most of the game. And, um, but then, you know, it, you know, special teams is, is part of the equation. And that's the problem with this team is that, you know, they have a head coach who is uh, very good at calling plays. Uh, he's very good at scripting plays and, and, you know, managing the offense. But when it comes to special teams, he just doesn't give a crap, just doesn't give a crap about, you know, when it comes to, you know, hiring coaches and making adjustments. I mean, if you follow this team throughout the year, uh, you know, you know, their special teams issues. They were, in my opinion, they were hands down the worst. They had the worst special teams unit in the NFL. And, you know, you saw it every week, you know, with, with uh, giving up plays, uh, uh, big return yardage. And, and you saw it even in the 49ers game where it just seemed to me like every time we were kicking the ball or punting the ball to the San Francisco 49ers, they were taking it back to the 50-yard line, you know. And it, it is just frustrating that it, it was happening all season long and and the coach just didn't make any adjustments. He's got a – Matt LaFleur has to embrace being the CEO of the team, and I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of that, too, I think comes with just getting the reps and things. And, you know, hopefully I, I'll say, you know, for your guys' sake and, and his, that, that it gets figured out. And and, and I, I spoke to a few people, too, and I said, look, at the end of the day, this was arguably the best weekend of football I've seen in I don't know how long. I mean, every single game mm-hmm. was the most back and forth, who's going to win, comeback, this, that. I mean, it, you couldn't have scripted a better divisional series. And then when they, you know, you cap it off with that Chiefs build, it's like, okay, NFC, NFC and AFC championship has some work to do. So I, I, I don't, I don't blame a lot of people who, you know, thought Green Bay was going to win because there was a great point where, where they were going to. And it just, you know, as you said, it's just special teams can play a part and not even focuses on that, but you know, time will tell how that goes. But, you know, we, we, we got to look, but I, I guess I'm going to take it in this route because I, I think we're all, we know where we're all going to end up getting to with this, but I think we should start with kind of the top down, how it could happen or where it's going to go. Denver sure. signs Nathaniel Hackett. 
to become the head coach of the team. Uh, is that as big of a blow as I think it is for the team, or are they? Are you guys able to just kind of will be able to repack and make it work? Well, you know, uh, a lot of it's going to depend on number one what Rogers wants to do first of all, because. You know, uh, he said it himself. He's going to sit back for a little while. You know, I don't think it's going to be for too long. It might be for a couple of weeks. But, you know, I, I, I think at some point in February, you know, he's going to let the people know, or, and the team know, most importantly, if he's going to decide to retire or to, uh, or to, or to keep playing. Uh, so that's, that's the first thing that, that needs to be uh, decided and confirmed. Um, then at that point, you know, um, yeah, I, I totally see, you know, this, this hiring of, of, of Nathaniel Hackett as, as a way to, you know, just make Denver more appealing to, to Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, you know, uh, Hackett and, and number 12 have a very good relationship. And, um, I, you know, absolutely that I could see that as a play for Rodgers. But ultimately, you know, um, they're going to have to trade for Rodgers. And, and, you know, Green Bay, if they decide that uh, – you know, Rogers doesn't want to stick around for a rebuild if if that's what's in the cards, uh, or they can't make uh, they can't make the finances work. Then then you know at some point um, they're going to have to decide to move Rogers. They might be forced to because you know the way they reworked uh, his contract last year uh, go, in the off season, um, they voided his last year. And so essentially that means that 2023, as things stand right now in, with this current contract, 2023 is going to be his last year, his walk year with the Green Bay Packers. So essentially this is their last opportunity to trade Aaron Rodgers and, and to get anything for him if they, you know, if they decide to part ways. So um, I don't know. I mean, anything can happen at this point. They could – I mean, if Rodgers tells him, listen, I, I want to stick around, I want to retire as a Packer, then they could even extend his contract. You know, I mean, there are a lot of things that can be done, but the, but the bottom line is, is that the Packers are in, in salary cap trouble heading into the new league year. I mean, right now uh, they are uh, about $51 million, give or take, um, over the cap. And so they're going to have to figure out what to do with Rodgers, what to do with Devontae Adams, and a lot of other high-priced veterans and, and guys that need to be re-signed, key guys like, you know, Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas all need to be re-signed. So there's a lot of work ahead for that front office. And, and that, that's another thing, too, is, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, we know Devontae Adams is going to play a part, I think, in where, where he wants to play, too. Um, you know, Denver did did pick up Cortland Sutton on a deal. You know, they re-signed him. They extended him out. They still got Jerry Judy. So I don't know if Denver's cap is really looking like I really didn't dive in on it, didn't think to. But, I mean, you know, they could make a play for Devontae Adams to try to lure him. I've also heard, and this came on Sports Illustrated, I don't know what, what your thoughts are with this, um, but apparently they're trying to grab uh, Adam Stenovich to be their offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I heard that as well. and. I mean, uh, the, I'm, I'm thinking that Lafleur will will try to do anything possible uh, to uh, keep him in Green Bay. Uh, maybe give him a promotion. Uh, maybe promote him to offensive coordinator. Uh, but then again, you know, then they have another assistant coach who uh, might be going elsewhere, Luke Getzey. 
So, you know, who do you promote? And uh, how do you go about, you know, keeping one or both of these assistant coaches on the team? Um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, the Packers will, will try to keep Stenovich there. He's done an excellent job uh, with the offensive line. And, I mean, uh, yeah, that is certainly a concern for the Packers as well. Um, yeah, he's, he's, one of, he's one of their better assistant coaches. There's no doubt about it. That's one of the bad things about having such a good coaching tree is like everybody's going to pick at it. And it's like, no, stop taking all my branches. You know, <laughs> I'd like to keep these because we've made this, you know, that's definitely a concern. You know, another, another thing too, uh, I, I was checking out that Rogers interview with uh, Pat McAfee and to sure. me, as opposed to last year when we, and you know, even over the off season, when we spoke with you uh, during our Packers uh, team preview and during the draft and such that, um, Rodgers feels more content that it's either retire or stay. He didn't, and I don't know if it's just smoke and mirrors and he's just, you know, playing the nice guy and, and putting a good show on for the television, but it didn't feel that he had as much scrutiny as he did last year when we talked uh, about trying to get out of Green Bay. Is there a, is there a feeling that maybe this year it's a little less hostile or he's still trying to get his way out? I think I think there's definitely a feeling there that things are less hostile. I think you hit the nail on the head there because, you know, uh, he uh, has whenever he's referenced Brian Gutekunst, the GM, recently, um, you know, he he said that you know the relationship is pretty solid. You know, he acknowledged the fact that you know he's been communicating with with Brian Gutekunst. And obviously his relationship with the head coach is a very, very good one as well. Uh, and, and so, and even, and the floor, even said it, you know, um, right after the game, uh, this last game that, you know, he wants Rogers in green Bay. Uh, he still considers him the starter of the team. And, and so I, I think, I think the, the only thing that um, would probably push Rogers to uh, ask for a trade is, if he gets an inkling that the the team is going to be vastly different from the one uh, this past season, and if he gets a sense that, you know, they're going to be in a rebuilding situation, because he has already stated that he wants no part of a rebuild. So uh, I think it, it, it comes down to that because, I mean, let's face it, you can't blame the guy. You know, he's 38 years mm-hmm. old. I mean, at this stage, at this stage of things, he's pretty much year to year as far as, you know, like when he's going to retire, um, you know, he's made a lot of money. He's taken a lot of punishment and, you know, if he's going to stick around for a year or two, he wants to make sure that, you know, he's going to be a contender. I don't blame him for that. Yeah. Agreed. And a lot of, you know, a lot of these guys at this age too kind of start taking that journeyman approach anyway, where they're, you know, kind of just picking where they go to finish out their career and, you know, He's just had a blessed career where, you know, at his age, he's still playing at an elite level where he's arguably one of the top, you know, top two, top five, however you want to put him, wherever you want to rank him in the league. And, and that helps, you know, that definitely helps him. But I I a hundred percent agree. I think if the rebuild sniff comes out, it's not that that could be an issue with it. Um, Denver currently has the number nine pick. I don't know what kind of value I, I would assume Green Bay's got to have a hefty tag. Um, you know, if you look at the Vegas betting lines, and I, I don't know, obviously these are more just, just based off of, I think, a lot of capital and such. And, and I was excited. We had a gentleman 
who um who does uh, cover cover betting from Vegas, and I was hoping to get him on today, but they have two or three interesting teams on this trade list, and I don't know what you've heard, but because of draft capital, I've heard the Eagles could be a could be a player with three first rounders, and both New York teams who both have uh, two picks in the top ten suddenly have have risen up the 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 betting line as like favorites to that could land them. Um, has there been any teams that you've heard anything like that other than the Broncos as a destination? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about the Giants. Uh, I mean, uh, that would make sense, though, uh, what you're saying. I mean, the, the, other, the other team I heard rumors about, and at this point they're just rumors, uh, is the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And mm-hmm. I've I think, heard that, too. Uh, yeah, and, and as a Packer fan, I mean, that's what, I'd be, that's what I would be rooting for if Rodgers does get traded because then you can – Probably get, I mean, you would think, right? You would think you would get Derek Carr back in some kind of package. And mm-hmm. you, get, you get like a, you know, a solid established veteran like Derek Carr. I mean, he's, not, he's never going to be Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, heck, I mean, you could still contend with Derek Carr at the helm. And so, I mean, that would be, that would be uh, my ideal scenario if Rodgers gets moved. Um, but, yeah, I, I heard about that as well. But uh, but then you have to wonder, you know, with the way that, you know, Carr, you know, has played and he's improved every year, um, recently at least in the past couple of years, you would have to wonder if the Raiders are going to be really motivated to trade uh, a lot of a lot of picks and a lot of capital to, to the Packers when Rodgers probably only has a year or two left in the league. So, um, but yeah, I heard about the Raiders. Uh, I could see the Eagles. I could definitely see the Eagles making a move because you know Howie Roseman, he's he's a guy that likes to gamble, and 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 he wouldn't hesitate together, you know, two or three first round picks to get his guy. And uh, you know, as much as he says that Jalen Hurts is his starting quarterback heading heading into next season, I don't buy it for a minute. Yeah, I I think the the Raiders thing is it, it would be would be a good fit because they could bring in, you know, he could get Devontae to come with him, so he'd be happy there. And Derek Carr, I mean, he took the Raiders to the playoffs with an, an in, off and on injured Josh Jacobs, and I mean his number one receiver was Zay Jones, Hunter Renfro. Like, I mean, yeah, obviously Darren Waller's fantastic, but you know he had the least amount of weapons I think I've ever seen him have. They had all that, all the issues with the coaching and I mean, just, just a terrible organizational wide, wide it was, but man, he showed out and, you know, he almost beat them, almost beat Joey Burrow, you know, in the playoffs and then, there. And so. then it, yeah. And then he, then he lost his best deep threat in the middle of the season, you know, unfortunately with, you know, with his little, you know, car mm-hmm. mishap that, that landed that, it's going to land him in jail for a long time, most likely. So, yeah, I mean, Carr is uh, is nothing but, you know, if not resilient, you know, with the way, you know, he bounced back from some, you know, pretty significant issues um, during the season, you know. And, and you know, the, the guy's in his prime, you know, and, and he's only getting better from year to year. So, I mean, and, and you know, and he's just such a, you know, look, we don't know these people on a personal level. But everything I see, everything that I read, I mean, Derek Carr is, a, is just a, a, a good guy, a good teammate, looks like a real leader. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't have any complaints about him coming to, to Titletown. And, and 
this is kind of an interesting hypothetical, you know, because we, we took it this way. Um, but it, it sparks my interest. If that was, say if that was a, was a thing to go down, you know, now you still have sitting there in limbo Jordan Love. Where where does Jordan Love kind of sit in this whole maybe get a quarterback or just get picks or keep Rodgers or this or that? Like, where is he kind of in this whole globule of uh, Green Bay Packer land? Well, right now Jordan Love needs to sit tight and he has to wait for things to settle before, you know, even the team can figure out what to do with, with Love at this point. Um, I mean, let's just say hypothetically Rodgers decides to stick around with the Packers and they sign him to a two- or three-year extension. I would think you would probably need to, to move on from Jordan Love because it would only be fair to, to, the, young, to the young man, to the young athlete. You know, I mean, how long, how long can he wait? You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. traded up. He was a first-round pick. So, uh, but under – but if, if Rodgers does leave, depending on what you get back. Now, let's suppose they, they trade Rodgers to Denver, and then they get, uh, they get Drew Locke back as part of the package. Then at that point, you would, you would need to have Love compete with Locke, who's far from an established quarterback. You know, you would have those two young quarterbacks um, competing for the job. Um, but what has been telling is that the coach himself, Matt LaFleur, has already stated that he doesn't think Love is ready to be a starter at this point in his career. So eventually that's going to run, you're going to run into a New England Jimmy Garoppolo situation. You could, you could. But as far as this year goes, I don't think I don't think Matt LaFleur is ready to, to give love the keys to the offense. Um, and, and quite frankly, you know, in his in his two appearances this season, his two starts, uh, well, actually it was one start and then the last game, you know, he basically played the second half. He just he just didn't do enough to inspire any confidence. And mm. and so I don't quite frankly I don't know how this is going to shake out, but I, I personally don't think having Love being your starting quarterback, I don't think that's a real option for the Packers. So going forward here, kind of um, just kind of bringing us back to where we got to, because it's, it's, it's such a fascinating offseason how this is tied so much into last year and then completely evolved and developed by, by the, you know, his right-hand man, going to one of the trade destinations who have, you know, a guy like John Elway, who obviously quarterback is something that he fancies. So it's just, it's wild how it all kind of comes, comes back full circle where Aaron Rodgers is a little bit cooler with staying, but then Denver and he's up with maybe another coach of his, where do you see at the end of the day, this playing out? How do you starting? I mean, I'll just say this going into the new season, Who's going to be that quarterback day one, you think, in Green Bay? Oh, boy. That's a, that a heck hard, of a question. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be an optimist and say that Rodgers is going to sit down with, with uh, Russ Ball, their, their, their cap guru, and, and Brian Gutekunst, the GM, and, and Mark Murphy, and, and, and LaFleur, and – they're going to figure out a way to make this work. Now, you know, that Rodgers is going to have to buy into the fact that, you know, there are going to be a lot of changes made to this team. But at the end of the day, 
I'm optimistic that they're going to find a way to make this work. Um, and a big reason why is because the coach really wants him there. The coach, as I, as I said before, he doesn't think love is ready to start, and the coach wants to win games, and, and he, he wants Rodgers there in Green Bay. So I'm going to be an optimist and say that Rodgers is still going to be there next year. Yeah, I, I think for the most part I'm, I'm in agreement. I don't see him – I see him either retirement or Green Bay. I just don't see him putting on another jersey. But, I mean, you know, after seeing, after seeing after 20 years, Brady actually changed teams. And even going back a few years before, when I was, I was shocked when I saw Peyton Manning not wearing blue, you know, that, that blue and white. So, I mean, it's, it's happened, and it's, it's been crazy, and it's something I've never imagined. But, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's wild. I can't wait for this offseason. I truly can't. This, this, this NFC North is going to be – could potentially be so different in, you know, in a span of three months now with, with the draft uh, on three months to the day. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. For sure. I, I For really sure. And, and, and that Packers team is going to be different. Whether Rogers sticks around or not, that Packers team is going to look a lot different just because of, you know, all of their um, financial issues that, you know, they're going to have to deal with in the off season. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm totally excited. Uh, Ralph, thanks again, man, for coming on and chatting. I, I always love talking to you because I love the passion. Absolutely, you, Ryan. You got it going. Um, go, you know, once again, if you want to plug anything, feel free to uh, before I let you go here, because I want to make sure people can, can get your takes and, and everything. Yeah, uh, so if you want to follow my takes, uh, it's at Ralph, Reverend Ralph on Twitter, at Reverend Ralph. And uh, about 99% of the time, I'm talking Packers. And, uh, yeah, um, had a lot of fun. Thanks for bringing me on the show. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be dialing you up in a couple months when we start our, our draft coverage. So we'll be in talks. So thanks again, all right? All right, thanks. All right. Ralph Mancini coming in talking. Talking some Packers, it makes me – I get a little slimy, you know, being from Minnesota, having to talk about Green Bay. Y'all know that up here that uh, – yeah, my, 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 my frequenters from Minnesota here that be listening, uh, you know, we got, we got to walk up to those Packer fans. What's up, Coco? Tell, tell them how it goes, even though we're not – you know, we don't win that much. Um, and this is going to pain me, too, because now we're going to go from talking to the enemy, the Green Bay Packers, talking to a gentleman who ruined our NFC championship – uh, you know, what, decade ago with the Saints here, but that's okay. Johnny, you with us, sir? Yeah, I'm right here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Man, it's just, it's, I just, now all I need is like an Eagles collar after this, and it's just stabbed me in the heart as a Vikings fan over and over. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's okay. But, uh, Johnny, welcome, man. Glad to have you. First time talking to you. Um, you. You come from a long line of fantastic writers from a site that we do really, really believe has some great content, albeit we, uh, we, we have a, a certain knife in the back of the team, but that's okay. But why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick uh, for all of our, our listeners. Uh, my name is Johnny Kamer. I write for Fansided to That Dish, um, diehard Saints fan. As long as I can remember, uh, eat, breathe, and sleep New Orleans football. My my only one thing I have to say before we get into it is it took six interceptions 
two fumbles, an overtime, and illegally targeting players to win by three. That's all I was going to say. That, that just <laughs> I, I, I went in my other room and I cried for a minute. My ex-wife was like, what are you doing? I said, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> but, damn it. That's okay because we're not going to be there for a while anyway again because we're trash and that's okay. But, you know, we – a couple weeks ago, we had a bunch of people on. We were doing the coaching carousel with all the teams that, that lost their head coach and where we were talking. And suddenly out of the blue, uh, you know, there's always been rumblings, but I get, a, I get an alert from somebody. Sean Payton has decided to step away. Let's just start with that. What in the, what in the world? What is the thoughts right now with the New Orleans Saints team without a coach? Well, I mean, it definitely took me and a lot of Saints fans by surprise. Uh, it makes a lot of sense when you look at what happened this season. I mean, tons of COVID, and COVID tons of injuries, having to deal with Ian Book on, against the Dolphins. I mean, it takes a toll on a man. So, <laughs> I wasn't, you know, you, you get it once you kind of analyze it. Um, I think there's a lot of great candidates out there, and I trust the front office. I mean, we've made some great picks in these past uh, few years. I mean, Kamara in the third round, Michael Thomas, Ryan Ramchek, Marshawn Lattimore. So you just got to trust that this strong front office that's still together will find the right coach and the right fit, and uh, I have faith that they will. Now, do you think he makes a return or there's some sort of a team that does the the unthinkable, like the Gruden situation where a team throws you a draft pick to bring over Sean Payton? Or do you think he's really done? I think he's at least going to take this year off. I think my prediction is he's going to go to color commentating on like and replace Troy Aikman. If he doesn't like that, he might come back to coaching. And I hate to say it. But it'll probably be with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Jones tried happen once. I think he'll try and do it again. But I could truly see a world where Sean, just like Breeze, falls in love with, you know, color commentating, and that's just what happens, and that's his career from now on. He's a he's a relatively old man, fifty eight years old. So, so where do the so obviously now you know the head coach is going to be. One of those, one of those interesting things. I, I laughed when I, you know, I was, I was checking out stuff. Like I said, we, you know, we, we love our fan sided team. We have so many fan sided writers that that come on, so we always try to keep up with everything. And you know, I laugh at the article about the Saints head coaching job considered to be one of the worst in the league. And and I think it's it kind of got to suck in a way coming in two weeks out from when everything happened, because now you're getting all these guys that have already been interviewed and things are starting to fall in place with teams. What's kind of the direction you think they go? Is there anybody that you're hearing already that's getting some steam that they want to try to begin to replace Peyton? Or are we still kind of in that, wow, we don't know what we're going to do yet. So they did request to interview uh, Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator of the Bucks, uh, Aaron Glenn, our former defensive backs coach, he's now DC of the Lions, and uh, Dennis Allen. Personally, I think we'll just promote Dennis Allen. I mean, he's incredibly improved these defenses over the past four or five years. 
Uh, makes sense chemistry-wise. You lose a big presence like Sean Payton. Have a guy that everyone's familiar with. But I do agree it does kind of suck that we didn't get to be right in the door as some of the other teams were. We had to, like, wait two weeks. But I think Payton was really going back and forth whether he wanted to do this or not. And from what I heard, he was, like, almost going to come back. And he's like, no. And he just couldn't decide. And finally he just went with retirement. But personally, I think we'll just promote Dennis Allen to head coach and Chris Richard to defensive coordinator and then find a new defensive backs coach. And, and that kind of seems to be some of the things I've heard too. And, it, and sometimes it's just the best, you know, keep it in house. If you got a good thing going, um, you know, main issue that I can kind of see that I was curious to see the route they're going to go. And now I assume they're going to probably halt, wait till the coach comes in and figure out what he wants to do. But what are you guys thinking with this quarterback situation? Do you, do you bring somebody back or, you know, do you try to grab like a Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati at pick 18 or go day two or, you know, just ride it out? I, I, I'm really I'm, – because this, this free agent class isn't like a – you know, there's not like any world beaters. And I, and I don't mean to talk bad, but like your number one quarterback candidate in, in offseason is like Marcus Mariota, which at that point it's like, you know, maybe you just keep Jameis. You know, it's, it's interesting. What do, you, what do you see for this quarterback? I personally really, in the limited time, liked what I saw from Jameis Winston. You know, he wasn't eye-opening, but for how bad this receiving core was, and it was abysmal. I watched every game. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no some Michael of the Lions. No, no Michael Thomas. Some of the Lions players look better than some of our receivers. <laughs> for what? For what Jameis was able to accomplish going 5-2, and two, that Green Bay Packers victory, 38-3, to three, I was highly impressed. And you, and you would see a huge drop-off with Taysom Hill and all the Trevor Semyon when they were in versus after Jameis um, towards ACL. I think he deserves at least one more year. I think, he's gonna, I think he would take a hometown discount. Not a hometown, but – he really seems to like it here. I think he would take a discount and understand our cap situation, which I think we'll be able to maneuver. I'm not a huge Taysom Hill guy. I would rather, honestly, just cut him, save the money. The dark horse, if it was somehow able to happen, would be Derek Carr. I think he's really good for culture. I don't think the Ra- Raiders are going to trade him, but what Derek Carr can do for culture and, like, bringing people up and all that is exactly what we need right now. Everyone's kind of down. You know, we just lost Sean Payton, and there's a lot of uncertainty. To have a guy like Derek Carr would be great. But personally, I'm sticking with Jameis. Maybe if the uh, timing is right, we could get a Malik Willis trade up or he falls to 18, project quarterback, sit him for a year, sign someone not that good to compete with Taysom or Jameis. I don't know. Personally, I'm I'm on the James train now. Yeah, I, I, I think you made two solid solid and, and good takes there. Obviously, the Derek Carr took a team that, you know, between the, the Ruggs situation and the Gruden situation and the coaching changes and the interim coming in. I mean, he he had Zay Jones as his best receiver. And, you know, obviously, Darren Waller's great, but Josh Jacobs injured half the year, so you're going with Richard the whole time. You know, he was – a couple plays away from being in the divisional playoffs, you know, I, yeah. and that's, 
And that's not even all skill. I think it's exactly what you said. He just has that will to make people great around him and, and make you want to play for him. So I think that's a great take. And I'll be honest with you, all these people love themselves Taysom Hill because he's cool and Madden and all that kind of stuff. I'll tell you what, man, Jameis Winston, I, I have said this, and people argue with me all the time, and, you know, they're like, oh, you have no takes. You you think Kirk Cousins is good, so I don't believe you on this. And, you know, whatever, I'll defend Cousins as much as I want. But Jameis Winston, he went and got LASIK to fix his, fix his vision, looked great, and everyone's like, well, he, had, he might have had the most touchdowns that year with Tampa Bay in the NFL, but he had the most interceptions. And to that, I say, so what? I understand it's a bad stat, but if you got a quarterback who's not, not oh, I threw an interception, and he starts beating himself up, this guy goes out there and goes, ah, who cares? I'll throw another one if I have to, but I'm going to sling this ball. I love that in a quarterback who has that much confidence in himself. Yeah, and uh, the one thing people forget about that season is it was his first season under Bruce Arians, and quarterbacks are known for having huge inflated interception numbers with Arians. And the other thing is people don't realize how much better the Bucks actually got when Brady got there. That's not the same team. I mean, they improved the O-line tremendously. He was under constant pressure. And he really seemed to fix the interception issue with New Orleans in the limited time he played this year. I think he only threw three and seven games, and that's really been it for him. Fix the interceptions, fix the turnovers, and you've got a solid player. And that's why I'm really excited to hopefully see a full season of Jameis Winston. I felt like that Bucks game, we were really getting to the point where we were about to see him unleashed because we were beating down on the Bucks and uh, he just tore his ACL, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's that, that's that's another great point. Is everyone's like, well, look, how much, the Tampa won the Super Yeah, okay, well, they brought – they brought in Grunt. They brought in Fournette. They brought in Antonio Brown. They improved the O-line. You know, Ward was in his second season, of, you know, in the NFL, so he was figuring, like, it's a whole different team. Like, you, you can't even. Yeah. This is, so, yeah, everything you're saying is 100% correct. I love this. This is fantastic. It, it's it's <laughs> Jameis, I think, has got to be the go-to guy. Um, you know, so it, it puts it – it just puts it at such a weird standstill. And my assumption, and I could be wrong, is the head coach has got to get nailed first before you think about this quarterback and the situation. Do you see them trying to settle this quarterback at least for the present before they go into the draft so they can kind of see what plays, what, what pieces they can Let's just write it out and see what's kind of still left after. Just bring our – I think personally they'll go head coach first then if they want Jameis back, they will get him back. Mickey Loomis will make the cap space work. Everyone said last year, the Saints are $100 million over. They're going to have to trade everyone. <laughs> Didn't happen. All we had to do was, like, cut Emmanuel Sanders, and we'll make that work. So I think whoever the next head coach is will decide who the quarterback is. And then after that, if they want Jameis, they'll get him and then address the draft. Hopefully, taking a receiver, I would really like to see someone as a receiver off the board, leaving Jamison Williams, Chris Olave. I just would rather not see a team potentially if Michael Thomas gets hurt again with Marquez Callaway as the number one. <laughs> I like Marquez, but he is not a number one. Yeah, I I personally could see a guy like Garrett Wilson from Ohio State following you guys at 18 and be a nice nice little side piece there. 
Um, I, I guess a couple couple last things I got I got for you before we wrap up here. I get, if I get you going, because I know I know I know you said you got some early morning activities, so I don't want to keep you. Um, <laughs> does Michael Thomas? Does it sound like he's going to be good to go week one? Because I remember when it, when everything first happened, a lot of the talk was oh, he'll be back around week seven, and then it was maybe week nine or ten, and then you know, rinse and repeat, and it just kept going until nothing. Are we good this year, or is there still kind of some weird, eh, we don't know what's happening with Michael Thomas? I think this year we should be good. I mean, we've got a ton, how many more months until the next season? A lot. Yeah, I mean, we've got seven so, months at least until, you know, the end yeah, of this year. <laughs> what happened was, from what I remember, it he was doing some rehab and then I think re-aggravated or some surgery and it went wrong. I think seven months will heal it. Now I will say, I love Michael Thomas, probably currently my favorite saint, but I am a little nervous. I mean, he hasn't played ball in two years. What type of player will we see? I'm hoping we'll see the elite Michael Thomas, you know, but there is that risk. Is he still going to be the same player? I'm hoping for the best, but I will, I will, that I am a little bit nervous, but I think he should be good to go this year, and hopefully we get the top five caliber receiver back. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you if you put him with what we both screw everyone else, and if you're listening, you don't like that, turn it off. I don't care. What we both have said, Jameis Winston can sling that ball, and if he's got a 100% healthy Michael Thomas, and you got Alvin Kamara sitting there. Like that's a, that's a squad, man. Like that's a you. Like if we were playing NFL blitz, you know, I mentioned Madden. I throw it to blitz now. Like you, you, you're throwing the bomb play like half the time because you're gonna have somebody <laughs> rocking that ball every single time. Um, you know, if they could pull, like I said, I I truly think a guy like Garrett Wilson, maybe even a Drake London from USC, could be a nice fit to be that 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 secondary kind of slant receiver guy. You know, especially London with his height. I think the kid's like five, six five, something like that. Big boy. Yeah, he's huge. You know, this this team has has a strong upside. Um, you know, the division. Who knows how it's going to be, especially if Tampa is completely dismantled in this off season. So, you know, I I hate to say it, but I, I I like their chances. I like the squad, and I I think it's in the right direction. You know, and it'll be interesting to see. Um. Come come this off season, so I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, but I I just wanted to pick your brain, you know, and, and talk to somebody from your site because you know I always I talk to people from from a lot of places, and I I won't throw, you know, I'm not gonna throw things out there, and I always get I feel like the best news and rumors and insights from 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 you guys over at Fansighted because it's just it's dedicated people and it's not you know suit and tie here's my job type thing, and I I love that. Mm-hmm. I greatly appreciate you coming on and chatting. And I tell you what, man, you'll, you'll be hearing from us come draft time and off season. We love putting together draft shows and we get mock drafts with everybody. And we like to have a lot of fun. And I'm glad you came on with us and, and, and it's been a pleasure. And, you know, once again, if you want to plug everything you got, I would love for my listeners to be able to, to read all the stuff and interact and have some fun. Perfect. I mean, I, Again, thank you for having me. I mean, it's a great opportunity, and I'm glad to come on anytime. My Twitter is Kamer uh, Johnny C A M E R, and then J O N N Y. Uh, yeah, I just appreciate you having me come on, and uh, anytime. 
Heck yeah, man. We'll be we'll be in talk. I, 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 you'll be you'll be here. You'll be seeing me beating down that door in a couple months as we get our draft draft coverage going. We're 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 trying to figure out. Usually the day the day of the draft, we we'll, we bring up we bring a writer on from every team and we do a live mock draft and have fun with it and get everybody interacting. Um, I this year we're we're going to the draft, so I don't know if we're going to be able to do it like we're supposed to, because we, we we're live on Thursday. So maybe we'll have to do it the week before we'll figure something out. But like I said, man, we'll be in touch and we'll have some more fun with you. All right. I, I'll let you get rocking and rolling so you can, you can take care of that real life stuff, which is way more important than that. That's what, at least they tell us that, but we tell them they're crazy. It's all about sports. <laughs> Johnny, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. All right. No problem. All right. Thanks, so Johnny Caper coming to Huda. Just having some fun here tonight with your boy. Man, that was a great interview. Tell you what, we, we, we've had some great, great interviews from Huda Dish, and uh, we can pass it up as another fun talk. And tell you what, man, I'm having a good time here tonight, rocking and rolling with you guys here. 50 minutes into the show, trying to, trying to keep her going here. Luke's, Luke's dealing with some RL, if you know what I mean. I tell you what, the NFL is. Is wild right now. Olympics coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, excuse me, next week. Uh, excuse me. And, and is somebody who, as you all know, is a diehard National Hockey League fan. I'm very bummed that we're not going to get to see the NHL players in the draft. It is what it is, and I totally understand. But man, because you just just think about just think about this. We could have seen a line. With Sidney Crosby and Connor McJesus, Connor McDavid playing together, you could have slotted a guy like Stevie Stamkos with him. You know, throw, throw. Oh, I know they're all centers, and people are going to say I'm crazy, but man, could you imagine just putting those bad boys together? Stammer shot, McDavid's just natural ability, Crosby's playmaking. Ooh, man. I would have loved to see Alex Ovechkin play with a guy like Alexi uh, Alexander Spechnikov. Uh, from Carolina, that would have been tremendous, man. Uh, you know, it would have been interesting to compare McDavid and Dreisaitl to see how much Dreisaitl could have brought Germany up in these games. That would have been intriguing. Oh, it would have been a lot of fun, man. I'm, I'm really bummed about that. But speaking of Edmonton, with all the turmoil going on, all the just, you know, things have just been bad and, you know, I never want to wish bad on anyone, so hopefully things turn around and figure it out. Evander Kane is end, is going to end up in Edmonton. I tell you what, if if Edmonton was able to, or excuse me, Evander Kane is able to get everything figured out, uh, you know, just get his head on. My God, can you imagine the firepower that he's going to give that team already? Evander Kane on the Oilers? Man, right now you already look at Edmonton. They're struggling. You know, it's a team that we we never can figure out as to why. Every year I'm like, oh, Edmonton's going to – they're going to play Tampa in the the finals this year, and then nothing. You know, they're sitting right now – uh, two points behind Calgary for the last wild card spot in the Pacific, so not too bad. They're kind of still sitting in there. ESPN's uh, their website is last out right now. I, I'm I know what I'm talking about, but I can tell you what I can't read bad uh, Excel looking files. I don't know what happened. ESPN fix your shit. 
Um, Edmonton, excuse me, sitting at 42 points uh, behind Edmonton. Uh, Vancouver, it's 43. San Jose, 46. Calgary, 46. So they're four behind. Uh, I'm not sure how updated this is. I do believe Edmonton played tonight, and I thought they got the W, which, uh, oh, they're in a shootout, right? They just won in the shootout, it looks like. Or no, they're in a shootout. Here we go. They're playing the Preds right now. Connor McDavid scored. Uh, Evan Bouchard, the defenseman, got one. Uh, over on the Nashville side, Philippe Forsberg got his 22nd. Matthew Shane got his 21st. So they are rocking it in the shootout. I thought I thought Edmonton had won, but I could be wrong. Um, I thought Edmonton had scored. I'm going to pretend that I'm right. Edmonton sitting at 44. So they're two back out. I mean, it's going to be interesting writing it, writing it down. They both have 39 games played them in Calgary. San Jose and Vancouver, unfortunately, at 43 games are kind of Kind of, uh, you know, they got that little uh, little detriment to them where it's going to be a little bit tougher to get that working. But I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's catching Vegas and Anaheim. Anaheim, you know, go from going from the cellar dwellers to Trevor Zegras throwing the Michigan in tonight, uh, back up at the top. They're rocking and rolling. But I tell you what, if Evander Kane's got his head on straight, you know, Edmonton's rocking a three-game winning streak. They're going to be tough. You know, you move over to the center, center central. My God, I can't speak. Our Minnesota Wild sitting at 53 points. We got seven on Dallas. Uh, Minnesota's won six of the last ten. Playing pretty well. But everybody in the division has been playing really good in that race. Dallas has won four in a row. So we really want to have a lot of margin for error if we're going to lose. Nashville right above us at four points ahead. And St. Louis four points ahead. Both have wins. Uh, seven of the last ten for St. Louis. Nashville's on a three-game win streak. And then Colorado at 63 points. Now eight-game win streak. 30 and 8. I don't I don't see them slowing down. Ranton and making the the All-Star team. That's a, that's a tough one. And then and then here's something you never would have imagined. At least I wouldn't have. I would have half imagined. Let me say I, I would have half imagined this. Um we have a Florida race in the Atlantic. Florida Panthers sitting 65 points at 30 and 9. Tampa Bay 29 and 10. 63 points. They've both won eight of their, they're eight and two in their last 10. I mean, these guys are going to have a race for the president's trophy. I know Colorado's playing well, but in a million years, could you imagine the Florida Panthers would be the team to challenge the Tampa Bay Lightning for the president's trophy? I would have. Look, as a Lightning fan, I'm the, you know, aside from Wilds, I, I have a natural tendency to not be a fan of the Florida Panthers. But right now, you cannot deny how well Jonathan Huberto is playing in his official 3-2 Edmonton wins in a shootout. You cannot deny how good Jonathan Huberto is playing right now. He is tied with Leon Dreisaitl at 59 points for the league lead to win the Art Ross. Passes Ovechkin, who had 58. McDavid, who had 57. Just playing out of his mind and and, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, I brought up Miko Ranton with, with Colorado, but Colorado fighting for that president's trophy. Nazim Kadri, 55 points. This is what Maple Leafs fans were dreaming of when Nazim Kadri was a Maple Leaf. And now for some reason this year, you know, getting them with guys like Ranton and McKinnon, you know, there he goes. Stevie Stamkos, it's good to see him back healthy for once, uh, you know, like a full year here. He's been having some problems. Coming in 51 points tied with Johnny Gaudreau for six. And our guy here in Minnesota, Kirill Kaprizov, Kirill the Thrill Baby, 49 points tied with Ranton and 
and then run out that top 10 Rangers own Artemi Panarin. But I tell you what, Johnny Huberto is just out of this world. We talked about how great Alexander Barkov was becoming, but we didn't talk about, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say we, because I did. And people kind of just, eh, uh, Barkov's better. Or, you know, uh, Aaron Ekblad is the key to that team. Look, I'm telling you, Johnny Huberto is just playing lights out. So that's awesome to see. It's going to be a good little pennant race there. Uh, I guess it's not a pennant race. But, you know, then, then you move on over to the uh, the rookies, which is really fun. Lucas Raymond, 34 points. But as I said, Trevor Zegras on the Ducks hits that, uh, that Michigan goal tonight. Just an incredible goal. I couldn't believe he pulled that out. Uh, then he got uh, Anton Lundell of Florida, another stud, and then Mo Steider on Detroit with uh, Tanner Janot at number five. So a lot of fun. But once again, you know, these rookies, Jamie Drysdale on Anaheim. It's, it's a team that Anaheim has rebuilt. They're riding on their rookies, and it's working. And that's why they're, they're, they're up there so high, and that's something I'm hoping Minnesota with some of our young guys can – can finally do something for the state of hockey, man, because it's so frustrating. You know, you look at you look at every time. You know, I, I always said the Wild. The reason they're so they, they can never get out of the Central is when you when you look at the Central Division, and this is before this season, obviously. But you know, Colorado had uh, McKinnon and Ranton and Atlantis Cog. St. Louis had Tarasenko. Nashville had Fleet Forsberg. Dallas had Ben and Sagan. Winnipeg at the time had uh, Patrick Laine, who's who's obviously been traded, but I mean Blake Wheeler, you know things like that. They they always had those. You had Kane and Canes in Chicago. All these teams in the Central were always just there was always stars everywhere, and you know, and obviously you now Arizona's in our division, but nobody you know, Arizona's dog shit. Nobody cares anyway about them. They they need to figure out why they're playing in Glendale and their fans don't go to the game. <laughs> you know, Arizona's just, they got problems. It is what it is. But we, we never had a star, and that was our issue with, with it. I'm not saying Parisi and Suter weren't stars. Not by any means what I'm saying, but, ever, you know, since Marion Gabrick, we never had that guy who could go in and, and go to the throat and make the kill when it was needed. Parisi, as great as he, as he you know, was, he not, not, not really anymore. He's having a good year, I think, and in uh for the for the aisle but you know he was a guy who get those dirty goals in the crease which you needed but we never had that guy that was just going to walk in and go hey you know hold my beer i'm taking this game over and now we do with Kirill. he he's been fantastic but you know i thought that could be our equalizer against colorado but then colorado <laughs> guys they got this young kid that i'm sure you all heard of his name is kale mccarr he is becoming the best defenseman in the entire national hockey league I can see Norris trophies for days with him. He's only 23. And and what blows my mind the most about Kale McCarr, obviously fourth pick of the 2017 draft, kid's 5'11", 187, and is a defender. He's he's part of that new breed style of defenseman. He's not your Chris Pronger who's a who's a behemoth back there. You know, he's he's a skinnier Scott Niedermeyer. And, and that might be a, a wacky comparison, but – you know, he's he's a little guy. And and you, you didn't always see that. Scott I mean Scott Niedermeyer was six one. 
little bit bigger, but it always felt like Scott Niedermeyer just was, was a smaller guy. And, and Kale McCarr is out there making plays happen as the little guy, as a defenseman, you know, he, he's, he's not going to, he's not going to outbody you. He's going to finesse you. And it's scary. It, it's a lot like when Curry and Clay basically turn the NBA into a three point league. You know, this could be that new era of defensemen. It, it really could, you know, um, looking in a, Look at, look at the Minnesota Wild even as, as an example. Let me pull up the, the Ross here because I just want to get the height make sure I'm not crazy. But, you know, we kind of have, have something too. Jared Spurgeon, our captain, 5'9", 166. He's a finesse guy. I think we're slowly going towards a new style defenseman that are just going to out-hustle and out-work you. You know, there's always going to be room for the Victor Hedmans and, you know, and Shea Weber's in the league. But, Man, I, I think some of these teams are starting to figure this out. And Kale McCarr, I mean, I mean, you know, Hart Trophy could be in his future. I, mean, I, I know it's crazy, but he just, he's real good, man. He's real, real good. And he's going to pose a, a problem to all these Central Division teams that are, are going to have to really climb from the cellar to catch up because, you know, it's, 63 points. They're not going anywhere. They're, they're not going away. Um, they're going to be here for a while. So I'm excited here as we enter that winter break, how this is all going to go. Excuse me. I did want to, did want to go up here in, uh, where, where are we at here? I don't know why this doesn't have what I wanted to. Uh, the NHL all-star this year had, 21st time selections for the All-Star Game. Incredible how good this league is turning out. Um, you know, they're going to they're gonna run the, uh, the four teams, nine skaters, two goalies, play three on three um, in, a, in a mini tournament, which, is, which has been fun. You know, uh, it's on the fourth. Uh, I've enjoyed this new format. I know it's a little bit different, but anything you can do to try to get – Try to get more eyes on the sport. Uh, your Metropolitan Division All-Stars, Sebastian Ajo from Carolina making his second appearance. Claude Giroux from Philly getting his seventh in here. Uh, Jake Gensel making his first appearance for the Penguins. Jack Hughes, awesome to see already in there after a couple, just a couple of years here early in the NHL career from the Devils making his first appearance. Chris Kreider on the Rangers. I believe he just got his 30th goal the other day. The number, uh, his second appearance in the All-Star game. And then obviously Alex Ovechkin, uh, his eighth appearance. I, you know, I've been saying this for years. That dude's going to catch Gretzky's goals uh, for the Capitals coming in here. We look at our defensemen. Two of the three first-time appearance: Adam Fox from the Rangers, Adam Pellich from the Isle, both making their first appearance. Then Zach Wierenski from the Blue Jackets with his second. Freddie Anderson from Carolina making his second, and Tristan Jari making his second straight year from the Penguins. Atlantic Division. Uh, this this is going to be a fun little division. I, I'm excited about this, and not just because I'm obviously biased, but um, Patrice Bergeron making his third appearance for the Bruins, Johnny Huberneau making his second from the Panthers, Dylan Larkin, his second appearance from the Red Wings, Austin Matthews, his fourth year coming in here from Toronto, Stevie Stamkos making his seventh appearance, having a resurgence from Tampa, and getting his first appearance, Nick Suzuki from Montreal, awesome to see. 
and rep, uh, replacing Drake Batherson, uh, Ottawa Senators' second appearance for Brady Kachuk. The defensive pairing, only two of them, Victor Hedman making his third appearance from Tampa and former number one pick in the draft, Rasmus Dahlin from the Buffalo Sabres getting his first shot at the All-Star game. And as expected, Vasi, Andre Vasilevsky making his fourth appearance out of Tampa. Excuse me, I can't see my ass is dirty. And Jack Campbell from Toronto. I've seen a lot of Maple Leaf heads. Very excited. Jack Campbell making an appearance first time in the All-Star game. Uh, we hit up that Western Conference. It gets a little bit serious in a minute when we get to that Pacific. That team could be nasty. But Central Division making, we have we have a lot of first-timers. Both goalies, the only defenseman making his first-time appearance. And two, four, five of the forwards. This is a, a relatively brand-new built team, and I'm excited to see how it works. Uh, Kyle Connor uh, from Winnipeg. Alex DeBrinkett from Chicago. Nazim Kadri from Colorado, Kirill Kaprizov from Minnesota, and Jordan Cairo from the Blues, all making their first appearance. Clayton Keller from the Coyotes getting his second shot. And then Nathan McKinnon from Colorado and Joe Pavelski from Dallas getting their fourth crack at the All-Star game. As I mentioned, the only defenseman that was picked up by this division. And it makes sense because he plays like a forward but can be a defenseman. Kale McCarr. First appearance. I can't wait to see him in this format. And then your goalies are Juice uh, Soros from the Predators and Cam Talbot from the Wild making their first appearance. And then we close out with this. Um, four, five first-timers in this conference, uh, this division, but uh, we got Leon Dreisaitl making his third appearance from the Oilers. Jordan Everly, former Oiler, making his second appearance as a Kraken this time. Sixth appearance for Flames forward Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, Adrian Kemp from the Kings getting in for the first time ever. Connor McDavid making his fifth appearance out of Edmonton. And then our last three forwards, all first-time appearances. Timo Meyer from the Sharks, Mark Stone from Vegas, and Troy Terry from the Ducks. Uh, one defenseman brought in. Third time for Alex Petrangelo. Uh, I believe he had his other two with St. Louis this time, part of the Vegas Golden Knights. And then your goalies, we have a third-time appearance from John Gibson in Anaheim. And Vancouver's Thatcher Demko getting his first appearance. Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, and Alex Ovechkin are your captains for the teams. Gonna be a fun, it's gonna be a fun little one. I'm really excited for that. I can't wait. Um, but when we talk all star. This is wild. I I I don't know how I feel about this as a as I said as as a as as a as a Minnesota uh, you know Minnesota stalwart here living in Minnesota. Uh, the two captains got the most votes: LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Thursday, February 10th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on TNT. We will have the draft, so two weeks out from this. Uh, Wow! I just, I'm looking at this, and it blows my mind as what we have going. (laughs) Um, I want to see if the whole uh, rosters are released here, and we can get the full draft. Uh, We just have the starters. That's okay. Eastern Conference starters voted 
DeMar DeRozan on the Bulls. Good to see. He deserves it. Chicago's playing great. Shout out to my co-host over at WrestleCast Radio, Alex Mello. I told you you'd love yourself some Lonzo Ball. Uh, we got DeRozan in there, and he is also in the backcourt with Trigger Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. Your forwards, Kevin Durant, the current reigning MVP, and your center voted in five-time All-Star Joel Embiid from the Sixers. Then you move over to the Western Conference. Nikola Jokic uh, coming in here as the center on this team. Your guards, John Morant making his first-time appearance, and Steph Curry. But then we move to the forwards. We have LeBron James and making his first appearance. Andrew Wiggins. I cannot believe that Andrew Wiggins, who we basically begged the Timberwolves to move because he just was was a flop, we thought, goes to Golden State that D'Angelo Russell trade. We were ecstatic to get D'Lo. The Warriors depleted, come out of the gate with the best record in the NBA going into the new year. And there's no Clay Thompson. There's no James Wiseman. Draymond's depleted. And the team is led by Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. I just can't. I just can't fathom it. I can't believe it. I'm not mad at it. I am mad at it. You know, every time Minnesota gets rid of somebody, they turn in good. We were just talking about the only person that got elected to the MLB Hall of Fame, David Ortiz, former twin who we just let go to the Red Sox. uh, Now, could be we just have a lot of Golden State, excuse me, a lot of Golden State fans, and that's what got Wiggins in there, but damn, can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Um, NBA interesting right now here. I I still think it's it's kind of a kind of a two team race sitting in the West between Phoenix and Golden State. John ja Morant has really willed the Memphis Grizzlies to be a good solid team, thirty three and seventeen. Uh, but we'll see where that all takes us. Right now, Lakers and Clippers or Lakers and Timberwolves and the Clippers and the Blazers are the four teams in the play-in game, which is wild to think that Clippers and Lakers are in there. But then you look at the East, man. Heat, Bulls, and Cavs. I tell you what, <laughs> I couldn't have wrote it that way. But Miami makes sense two years ago losing to the Lakers uh, in Disney World on the ESPN campus. So, you know, we expected that. But Bulls and Cavs, wow, just interesting. It's been a wild year. Wild, wild year, and I'm loving it. Um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun coming up here in the next couple of weeks. As I mentioned, we got the uh, twitch.tv forward slash WrestleCast Radio tomorrow, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Come check out Pro Wrestling Summit. We're going to have a lot of fun there. It is our fourth week in the S1 Grand Prix 2022. Excited to check that out. Uh, Kaito Ishida. Still undefeated uh, in that B block, so we'll, we'll see how how that turns out. Uh, a block still has an undefeated as well. Um, and then Saturday after the Royal Rumble, we'll be back on air right here, Blog Talk Radio, post Royal Rumble, uh, giving our thoughts about the pay per view. Excuse me, the premium event 
And then at midnight, we will be welcoming on Ho-Ho Loon, calling in from Tokyo uh, to chat with us about his uh, trip to the U.S., just the general state of state of Dragon Gate, how, how great their two Cork and Hall shows were on the 13th and the 14th, and just, you know, the whole unit shuffle of Masquerade and R.E.D. and everything. We're going to get going with that with Ho-Ho Loon. And then on Sunday, live on uh, Twitch, once again, twitch.tv forward slash WrestleCast Radio, we will be concluding our award show, uh, giving you the best male-female tag team of the year, also match of the year, breakout star of the year, show of the year, uh, having some fun with it. So we appreciate you all coming in, listening to me banter by myself. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody's thinking this exact same thing. Cut that bitch off! And, and I will do that for you. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday, myself and Luke, with more sports cast radio very excited uh with that being said um i didn't want to get into it but i'm going to um yesterday hard day hard day for myself at least and a hard day for a lot of people um it was the it was the two-year anniversary of the passing of you know somebody that has inspired me in life, Kobe Bryant, with his mantra. Um, really hard. Not a lot I, I really, really can say without kind of getting a little bit emotional still about it. Um, so we still have 45 minutes of airtime. I'm not going to do everything, but I just – I wanted to just play some Kobe, some Kobe sounders and some people talking about Kobe um, before we, we end the airwaves. So feel free to listen if you're interested. If not, you know, no worries. But I, I, um, I wanted to really talk about it, and I didn't really have anyone to kind of talk with about it. Um, so I just want to play these clips to kind of round out the remainder of the show. Uh, I might jump in and give you some of my feedback with it too, but uh, – I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. I want to thank Ralph Van Seedy coming on talking Packers. Uh, Johnny Kamer as well. Appreciate you coming on from the Saints, uh, having some fun with us. We'll, we'll have some more uh, guests next week as we continue this wild, wild offseason. It's going to be in football. But um, we're going to leave you guys here to close out the remainder of this hour with some fun, fun Kobe stuff. A um, little emotional it's going to be, I'm sure. But, you know, he, he deserves our time. He He was a great. You know, just just uh, it's awesome. So, thank you, thank everybody, um, and we'll see you tomorrow night on the Twitch stream for Pro Wrestling Summit. Jerry, I, I want to know what you saw in those. Like, was it two workouts you saw of this teenage kid, Kobe Bryant, and what knocked your socks off? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Sorry. Totally understandable. Um, you know, it wasn't like this was some great discovery because people knew who he was. At that time, uh, it wasn't in vogue to take 17-year-old kids. And uh, we were having a workout, and his agent, Arn Tellum, and I have been longtime friends. And he said, I'd like, he wants to come and work out 
with some of these players that were going to be higher taken in a draft, everyone thought. And he goes there, and I watched this, 17 years old, and I said to myself, this is ridiculous. These kids don't, other kids don't even belong here. And they were three, four years in college. And <clears throat> I said, this is a waste because I hope we don't have to draft one of those guys. When the process, there's a young man sitting beside me here that uh, also figured into this plan. And so, again, Kobe Bryant, through his agent, they were trying to direct him here to us. And our big prize, the showcase of our franchise, was going to be Shaquille O'Neal. If we could convince him to come here. At that point in time, you could not communicate because of uh, a league's um, uh, in negotiation with the players and his lockout. So Kobe wanted to come back again and work out for us. And uh, so Arn called me and said he's been town here and he wants to work out. So I brought Michael Cooper in, and I think some of you people know who Michael Cooper is, uh, one of the great defenders we've had in our league. And so we wanted him to play well, Kobe Bryant, and see what it looked like. Well, after 10 minutes, I said, stop this, okay? <laughs> He was embarrassing Michael, and I told Michael, I said, man, you retired soon enough. And that was the genesis of it. But spent countless days trying to trade our starting centers. Plot a Divock to create space to, so hopefully we could attract Shaquille. And um, Shaquille and I never met in person. And we developed a relationship over the phone, which was very honest. And that's the only thing I believe in when you're dealing with players. You cannot ever lie to a player. Never. And finally one day, the late Jerry Buss, who was, we only had two or three people working for us at that point in time. And I told Shaquille, and I really remember this, um, I said, Shaquille, we just drafted a kid who's the best player in the draft. And I said, I know you got a lot of good players down in Orlando, but I said, we have better players here, and we have one that's going to be the best player in the league one day. Pretty bold statement to make, but to me it was obvious. Charles watching you, Dwayne watching you, Reggie watching you, Shaquille watching you. It was easy to identify. And so this process went on, and all of a sudden our dream came true. We got Shaquille O'Neal, we got Kobe Bryant. But I think the thing that probably is harsh for me is the times I spent with him when he was 17 years old at my house, constantly wanting me to go to the gym, uh, watching him play in the summer league, and you know everyone was excited to see a young kid like that. And he's having dinner at your table and, on nights, too. Yes, and having dinner uh, at my house. My son, Ryan, was his first best friend in town. who worked for the Lakers for a number of years. Drove him around. And uh, to watch this relationship, but he was uniquely different. Let me tell you why he was different. He always talked about this Mamba mentality. He didn't have to create that. It was already there. 
and to watch him search out information, to watch him want to find some way to get better every year. And I spent four years of my life watching this. And I made a trade with the Miami Heat. I traded Eddie Jones, who was an all-star player. The reason why Kobe Bryant needed to start. I was kind of vilified about it. Um, but best thing that ever happened. But I think the thing that resonates with me the most is his incredible career. This is a sad city right now. One person with one name, Kobe. You don't even have to mention his last name. And to see the pictures of him with his daughter sitting at games, hugging, uh, hugging them, to get a Christmas card from them every year, and to watch this incredible family grow and prosper. And now to see not one, but two, but three families gone. Uh, saddest day of my life. I lost a brother in Korea. It's the only thing that compares to this, to me. I don't want to ramble on very much, but I had a special relationship with him. No one knows the intimate talks I had with him. No one knows, even people who are close to him, they don't know the conversations I had with him. They don't know the conversations I had with him in Memphis when I was working in Memphis. We still communicated. And I remember when he was going to lead the Lakers, and I've never really mentioned this to anyone. He was going to come and sign with the Clippers, who I'm now involved with as a consultant. And I told him, Kobe, under no circumstances can you do this. And he was mad at everyone, the Lakers, the owner, everyone else. I said, Kobe, you can't go play with the Clippers. You can't play for that owner, period. We had two conversations about it. And he supposedly made a commitment to the Clippers and after the last one we talked last time. But there's so many things that we talked about as he was just seeking information. He, and his parents were with him for a while. And honestly, I felt like he's father for two years. I don't know if I can get over this. I really don't. I can remember during the Olympics when the negotiation was going on, first time I met Mr. West. My agent, Lynn Armano, says, Mr. West wants to see you. Mr. West was smooth, kidding, when I got up there. He said, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And I said, okay, what's the bad news? He said, I can't, I can't get you to 150 even as before. I said, what's the good news? He said, I can get you to 120. I said, where's the pin? <laughs> and as soon as I get ready to sign, I'm telling you now, I got this young kid, and he just kept saying it. I got this, like, you know me, D, I'm trying to get to the paperwork, trying to get the deal done. He said, I got this young kid, I got this young kid, Kobe. I'm like, okay, Mr. West. And he was that type of guy. I mean, the first time I met him, because I'm the elder statesman on the team, and, uh, you know, he, he was my rook. And I asked him, what do you want to be known for? 
And I asked him that question because when I first got here, Mr. West sat me down in the forum. He said, Shaq, I know you got a lot going on. I know you're a rapper. I know you've been partying and do all that stuff. And he pointed up. He said, at the end of this, you can be up there with those guys, or you can just be just another talked about story. So now when Kobe came, I kind of sat him down and said, what do you want to be? And at 17, he said, I'm going to be the best player in the world, and off the court, I'm going to be bigger than Will Smith. Now, you know me. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> slow down, slow down. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it was fun. And uh, as I said earlier, our names will always be linked. You know, we talk about who's this and who's that, but I truly believe that we will be the most dominant, big, little one-two punch ever. That's just my belief. I know a lot of people... And, and can you like to break it down like it should be broken down by eras? But you know, it was a it was a sad day for me the other day, and I and look, I still I still can't believe it. And to just hear his voice and like I, I'm not a big internet guy. I think I watch every Kobe Shaq video anybody ever put up. I watched the Portland Game Seven where he threw me the lob right there. I watched the game where he shot the air balls. And I grabbed him. I watched a game versus Indiana where I messed up and got in foul trouble. And on the bench, he said, don't worry about it, I got it. Because I know if we go down to Pacers, it's going to be a different series. He, he told me, don't worry about it, I got it. That was uh, Jerry Weston, uh, Shaq, on, uh, when TNT did their tribute to it. Um, I want to go to the Jay Williams piece from uh, ESPN. I think it was first take, potentially, but... Um, it was it was a fun one. Uh, I shouldn't say a fun one. What am I talking about? But uh, he, had, he had some good words. It's sort of that one. You know, um, we uh, we get caught up in this world in um, debates and who's the greatest and love to judge people and off the court and on the court decisions. I think a lot of times we forget about who people are and. Um, I know for me, I had a defining moment in my life that he, he pushed me in the right direction. And um, for somebody who's a new father, who has a baby girl, um, you know, I'm not going to say prayers and condolences because I don't, even, I don't even know how you capture this moment, man. Um, I know everybody's coming out with their Kobe Bryant story, and that's fine. But um, he, is just, uh, he was one of the most special individuals I've ever met. And uh, it wasn't just his on-the-court performance. It was who he wanted to be, how he held himself. And we're all prone to make mistakes. We all live this life. Um, but his innate character, his, um, his being, his spirit uh, was incredible. It was just incredible. And uh, it's rare that I've been around a lot of people in my life and when every time I was around him, if that was through the Players' Tribune, if that was through as a player, if that was through random workouts, there's something so damn uplifting about him. It just made you want to be better in every aspect of your life because that's who he was, and that's the standard of excellence that he held himself to all the time. And um, today's just a really today's a tough day. Today's a hard day, and I hope that um, everybody at home. You, you give that person next to you um, whatever 
thing you have wrong in your life with them, if this might be small or big, let that shit go. doesn't matter. I know I curse. I'm sorry. It's okay. None of that stuff matters, man. This is uh, it's about life and uh, being precious with every damn second we have here. Because it, from somebody who knows who almost happened to me, like that, man, it's just over. It's done randomly, randomly, arbitrarily. And, uh, you know, his, his four girls and his wife, we, uh, we need to come around them and support them and help them. And the NBA should cancel all games today. Um, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah, we should mention there are eight games in the NBA today. It appears as though at least the Rockets-Nuggets game is going off because they did hold a moment of silence, a moment of prayer, in a sense, before they tipped off this afternoon to eulogize and to remember one of the greatest players that's ever picked up a basketball. I know he impacted your life personally, professionally, way beyond the game. And you can answer this from a basketball perspective or beyond. What separated Kobe Bryant from other people? <laughs> you know, so my rookie year, I only played one year in the league. And my rookie year, we were playing against the championship Lakers. It was Kobe, Shaq, that squad. And I remember I was in a slump, wasn't playing well, I was getting sidetracked throughout the season, doing things I shouldn't be doing. And, uh, you know, pumped up about playing this, playing this guy here. And I, I got to the Staples Center early that day, around 2 o'clock, 2.33, to shoot and get 400 made shots. And, um, you know, I walk in with the ball boy, and I'm putting on my sneakers. And who do I see? I see Kobe Bryant working out so hard, like game-like moves. And watching him, like, all right, thank you. No, that's my motivation for the day. That's great. I get a chance to work out when Kobe Bryant's working out. And I go and I do my workout, and I work out for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And I go back on the sideline, and I unlace my shoes, and I keep hearing the ball bounce. I look down, and this guy's still going. He's still going. And it's still the same type of moves that I saw him going from the moment I walked in the gym. And I sat there and watched him for 10 minutes, and then I left. I was like, there's no way this guy's going to be able to have enough energy to play against us tonight. And that night, he just, he just destroyed us. He destroyed us in every facet of the game. And I remember after the whole game was over, I was like, don't be that cheesy dude. Don't ask another man, like another guy, like where that drive comes from. But I couldn't help myself. I, I sought him out, and I, I found him. I said, you know, like, wh why? Why do you stay and keep working out? And I, this line changed my life as a person. He said, because I saw you come in the gym, and I wanted you to know that no matter how hard you worked, you weren't going to outwork me. And it was one of those things where I was sitting there saying, like, who am I? Who am I? But that's just how he was, that's the cloth he was cut from. That's who he was every day in every facet of his life. Uh, you know, if it was him trying to be better, coming up with cartoons, animated series, and winning a damn Oscar. Uh, if it was him trying to be better as a person. You know, like, I don't know every aspect about Kobe, but I know how he touched me in my life. And that moment right there was, I know my career ended short, but I, I carry that in everything I do. Like, that's, that's how I attack my life. And if it's with my wife being a better husband, if it's with my daughter being a better dad, if it's with work, how do I work more, how do I work better, how do I work more efficiently, um, that's a huge part of who I am because of that moment. And um, I can never thank him enough for that. 
Your words have been incredibly poignant. The San Antonio Spurs are going to tip off in nine minutes. I would imagine they'll ask Greg Popovich, who's had his great duels with Kobe over the years, to talk about it after the game. As I mentioned, eight games in the association today. The Lakers will not play today or tomorrow. They will play the Los Angeles Clippers at the Staples Center on Tuesday night, and you can only imagine the amount of emotion that might be welling up in that building. Last thing for you, Jay. Like yourself, he was a father, a husband. Kobe was an NBA legend. He was even an Academy Award winner. On and off the court, you seemingly know him very well from the comments you've just given. Kobe Bean Bryant's legacy will be? You know, <laughs> I don't know how to define the greatness in his legacy. It's, uh, it's one of those things that you, uh, it can't be put into words. You had to be around him to feel it. It spoke for itself. It was this aura that he had around him. You didn't need to hear somebody paraphrase it. or It was greatness, man. Simply put. Can't, I can't explain greatness. Thanks for watching ESPN on YouTube. For more sports highlights Jay, and why analysis. Why Stephen A. Smith yelling at me? I don't, uh, we don't need that. Uh, Jay Williams. Um, God. I mean, he, everything he said is just. Just tremendous. Um, we got three more before we close it out here that I, I definitely want to play. Um, uh, we're we're going to go this route first here, people. Here we are together on music's biggest night, celebrating the artists that do it best. But to be honest with you, we're all feeling crazy sadness right now. Because earlier today, Los Angeles, America, and the whole wide world lost a hero. And we're literally standing here heartbroken in the house that Kobe Bryant built. Right now, Kobe and his daughter Gianna and all of those that, are, that have been tragically lost today are in our spirit, they're in our hearts, they're in our prayers, they're in this building. And I would like to ask everybody to take a moment and just hold them inside of you, hold them inside of you, and share our strength and our support with their families. We never imagined in a million years we'd have to start the show like this. Never, 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 never. So we wanted to do something that could describe a tiny bit how we all feel right now. It's so hard to say goodbye. To what we had The good times that made us laugh Outweigh the bad And now take me with me 
We love you, Colby. Boys and men. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. And I know that we're going to do what we're here to do. I know that we're going to all join together and do what we do in happy times and challenging times. We're going to sing together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to dance together. We're going to cry together. We're going to bring it all together. We're going to love together. And we're going to make sure that we are celebrating the most powerful energy, the most beautiful thing in the world, the one thing that has the power to bring all of us together, and that's music. So, it's the most healing thing in the world. That was uh, Alicia Keys. Uh, I believe that was the Grammys uh, happened. Wow, that one was tough. <laughs> Damn. Y'all, y'all know how much of a Kobe, by, Kobe guy I am over the last six years to listen to me here. Whew, that one slapped me in the face. Um, two more here before we close out. Um, obviously, I have his, his final speech from his last game. We're going to play that last uh, before we, we – uh, our guy Mario Ruiz from ESPN 710 ESPN LA. Uh, we're going to close out with his jam, but uh, – Inside stuff had a really good piece. Um, I want to. I'm going to go to that next here, uh, and then and then we'll hit up uh, his final game speech. How intelligent, you know? Jerry Jerry West was talking about earlier, like, you know, he obviously he was fluent in Italian, and then uh, I actually have to be watching television. He's given uh, Luka Doncic uh, a little stuff in Slovenian. And I was like, I was like, that dude right there is a, a renaissance man. When you take the time to learn different languages, that's pretty special. I mean, obviously he grew up in Italy, so that's different. But to take the time to come to a Laker game, bring his daughter, because I think she wants to take a picture with Luca. It's a beautiful picture, too. But to take the time, like, let me learn a little bit of Slovenian. Nobody says that. You're the last guy I ever heard say that, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, D-Way, what made him special? I think it was, um, well, I know it was, it was his way with people. You know, Kobe had this ability to make you feel like you were the only person in the room when he talked to you. You know, I, I think, you know, one, one of my favorite things about Kobe was the way that he made my kids feel whenever they come around the way that he made Zaire feel. And one of my favorite moments is All-Star Weekend, his last All-Star. My son is on the court rebounding for us, and Kobe says, Zaire, come down here. And Zaire looks at me, and he's, like, nervous, like, should I go? And I say, well, you better go get your Kobe moment, <laughs> you know? But, like, he took that time, and every time he's seen Zaire, he took that time. And not all of us sitting up here as kids, we know how important it is for someone they admire to take a moment to make them feel special. And he did that every time. And that's, that's my favorite part about Cole. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, the only post that I put on him is my son Malloy was screaming his name at the All-Star game. And he's just screaming and he looks up and I got it on video and Kobe thumbs up to him and he just breaks out in a smile. And then, I, you know, you start thinking about the, you know, obviously you guys had, as teammates had different things, but you know, there's two other moments that just stood out for me. 
you know, my, the first basketball camp that my son KJ went to was Kobe Bryant's camp at LMU. He never went to a basketball camp. I wouldn't send him overnight anywhere else, but I sent him to Kobe's camp. Yeah. That was the first. And then the, the biggest memory is Hurricane Katrina. Um, I was, Hurricane, we were all horrific things that happened, Hurricane yeah. Katrina. And I called at the time David Levy, who was running Turner, and I said, hey, I want to do something. He says, uh, I said, I want to do a basketball game. It was Monday. I said, he said, we want you to do it. I want to do it Friday. He's like, you can't do that, Kenny. He said, who do you have? And so I, I hung up the phone and I stopped and I said, if I call Kobe and I get him, I'll get everybody. So I called his agent at the time, Rob, and, and I said, they put me on a three-way with him. I said, listen, I'm doing this game and I'm explaining to her, you know, he's like, I'm watching what's going on. He said, what do you need? I said, I need you to play. He said, who do you have? I said, you're the first. If I get you, I got everybody. <laughs> and he said, I'm in. He said, you need me to do like an interview to let everybody know I'm playing? I said, no, I'm going to announce it, but I'm going to need you to do interviews. And from then, I called Kevin Garnett, and I got 26 players in less than 24 hours because Kobe Bryant said Yeah, yes. and your first line was, hey, I got Kobe's. Kobe's coming that was to it. That was my first line. Yeah, that that was my I got Kobe. You know, what's going to be really cool? For, it's going to be interesting. It's gonna, I'm going to be happy and sad because I live in Philadelphia during the summer. I should live in Lower Marion. Really? So I pass his high school and his gym every day, several times a day. And for the last 30 years, every time I went back to the first, the, drove by, the first time I said, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant. And now it's going to have a, a different meaning. Uh, it's going to have a different meaning. I'm going to be uh, glad to think about Kobe because it, because it brings, it, it's, and that's the thing we talk about, this is, he always brings great memories. So he was your rookie. Yes. So, so did you put him through rookie treatment? No, Jerry West wouldn't allow it. Jerry was like, "This kid's gonna be special. <laughs> Leave him alone." Uh, so we did. And I was, and I was around the time where Hazen was outlawed anyway, so we weren't really allowed to do anything. And he was different, but he was very motivated, very different. My favorite Kobe moment. I have a million, million of them, but Phoenix All-Star game. I was a reserve on the All-Star, and me and him got in the game together, and we were playing. I'm like, damn, this feels like feels like the old days. So at the end, when they co-announced the MVP, my boys are there with me. I'm older, Kobe's league. I figured he'd take the trophy. He looks at Sharif, Miles, my two younger son, and he gives him the trophy. I'm like, no, Kobe, don't worry about it. He said, no, I, I, I'll get mine later. And then I knew then that all the stuff that, that you know, all the stuff that we had, we had been through, got to erase it. And our relationship started getting better for them. And I got to thank TNT for putting that, that, uh, that conversation that we had together. Yeah. That was, that, that was awesome. I thought because, that was important when it yeah, happened. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very important. It was, and, on, it was on NBA TV, correct? And, and you yeah. sat down and, and really cleared any air that needed clearing that night. And he always looked out for my babies, like every time. Pictures. Got... And, you know, it's, listen, it's hard, and I'm sure it was hard for my dad because my dad asked me one day, Who's your favorite player? And I said, Dr. J, you should have saw his face. So imagine me asking my kid, who's your favorite player? D-Way, Kobe. Candace, like. You don't know. Like, you're you're synonymous, synonymous with Kobe. Like, you're, you're every, there's not a basketball conversation that ever would have before the tragedy that your name or his name wouldn't be in. So 
let's start there. But secondly, you know, this tragedy has brought out an internal thought process about how short life is. But the other moment, when you shook Kobe's hand, I called people that I had beef with and said, I'm, I apologize, because I watched you two guys come together. But you know, I don't know, I don't know if y'all had that game, but it was on Martin Luther King. Yes. And you guys know me, I like marketing. So I'm gonna keep it going, you know what I'm saying? Regardless, just to, you know, just, just to keep it going. But I was like, not on this day, not on this day. I gotta shake his hand. And I shook his hand, he shook his hand. Cause one, one, one thing about both of us, we say stuff, but we, we didn't really care. Because, you know, sometimes you just gotta get stuff off your chest. Like me and Charles, it, funny thing about me and Charles, when I go out, people actually really think I don't like Charles. <laughs> when I'm walking through the airport, you don't like, listen, bro. And I have to explain to him, I said, listen, me and Charles had our altercation. I get back to the thing, it's a lady on the phone. There's two ladies on the phone. It's his mom and, and my mom, and they had been best friends for years. I never knew that. So one day I come home and they get to playing cards and doing all that stuff. They had the similar type of relationship, like two sisters just. But it's you know like talking. So you know people ask me. I said yes, I love Charles. Charles, my older brother. We fight and we argue, but the respect is always gonna be there. We will never cross the line. I know I always say yo, I'm gonna you know punch you in your face but, and do that. Yeah. But but in fairness, I won't. but in fairness, I was on top punching you. <laughs> <laughs> hey Steve Nash. Candace Parker, thank you for sharing your oh, memories yeah. with us. We really appreciate that. <laughs> Shaq and Charles Barkley are just, ah, they're great. Um, God, man, you know, it, you know, people, people say, people say things like, you know, and I kind of mentioned this with, with uh, Johnny earlier and, and Ralph too, or, or, oh man, sorry, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little emotional right now because, like I said, you know, you, you guys know my Kobe. Um. You know, I have a shrine in my my living room. <laughs> not like not like a shrine shrine, but I have my Kobe area. But I mean, you know, people say it's sports. Don't take it too seriously. Who cares? You're you're gonna wake up and go to work and do everything the same. You know, no matter what team wins. And and I get that, and I understand. But you get some of these people, and um. <laughs> you know, uh, I got I kind of was just uh, shouted you out on uh, <laughs> the you had. Um, you know, there's I'm, look, I'm a nerd. I play this game Marvel Strike Force. I'm in uh, I'm in the Alliance Priests of the Temples of Syrinx. I ditched my co-host Luke in our old guild. I, I apologize. Uh, and I've been talking to this guy Mongoose while listening to these, you know, these Kobe things, and um, you know, <laughs> he said, "Oh, good lord," <laughs> um, you know, and I'm putting him over. And you know, it's it's just you know the random talking, and I, you know, I was like, "Hey, I I, I goofed up and did something I shouldn't have, and, and played the wrong lane." And, you know, it, it doesn't matter. He has something. You don't care about that. And um, you know he he jumped in and I was like sorry I'm just I'm emotional with with what I'm doing I'm I'm on radio right now talking about Kobe and you know it's hard and 
you know, we're talking about, and he's like, you know, and he's like, hey, man, you know, just what he did for the WNBA alone is impressive enough for a lifetime. And I said, I agree. You know, Deanna might have been the Kobe of the WNBA. Look at the inspiration he did with Deanna, Diana Taurasi and uh, Sabrina Inescu just alone. He said, I believe you're correct on that one. And then he brought up a good point. He goes, it's amazing what people like him, Pat Tillman, J.J. Watt, people like that can do away from sports. And, you know, you know, we, we talk about that. And it's like when somebody wants to say to you, it's just sports. I get that. But you developed a bond with these, with a lot of these people. And, oh, here I go. And, you know, Kobe Bryant came in the league – and there was just something different about him. And, and you know, it just, he, he felt different. And, and I remember I was, like, I was ecstatic for him the moment he came into the NBA. I, as a Lakers fan, I was like, hell yeah, you know, we got the high school kid, you know, 1996, 13th pick. You know, we traded Vladi for him. I was I was all about it, and then he was trashed for like three years. <laughs> like he wasn't playing. And in my head, like when when I played, you know, NBA, what was it? NBA Showtime, I think, might have been the PlayStation game at the time, or whatever. What was the guys? What was the PlayStation basketball game? PlayStation NBA made game um was it obviously it wasn't 2k um maybe it was just nba apparently is that really what it's called the first game was on the psp that can't be true um i don't know why i keep saying playstation one nba game Be alive ninety eight. Live. Was it alive? I wish I could remember what it was. I think it was NBA in the zone. No. Yeah, I think it was in the zone. I'm pretty sure because those I used to crush it with the the Hornets. Johnny Johnny Newman, David Wingate, Glenn Rice, uh, all those guys. They, oh, that team was tight. Uh, Kendall Gill. But uh, I just remember I would always move Eddie Jones, who Jerry West talked about when he moved to the Heat. I would always move Eddie Jones to the small forward so I could start Kobe at the two. I always did that because I loved Eddie Jones, too, number six. I thought he was great. I was like, Eddie Jones rocks, man. But, you know, we, we talk about how it's like, well, you shouldn't you shouldn't look at sports, you know, as something that's like that. You know, it's not just sports, but you know, these people do things, you know, we, we, we talk about, look at LeBron with his I Promise School, like, look, look at the lives he's changing. You know, Pat Tillman, uh, which, you know, my guy from uh, my Alliance Mongoose brought out, you know, he leaves the Cardinals to, to do his military duty and he dies in combat, you know. It's, there's a lot of people that, J.J. Watt, with everything he did, you know, in Houston and it's just people, people got to realize that sometimes that some of these athletes are, are larger than life to you. 
And Kobe Bryant lived his life in a way where he said, you know, he was the real Ricky Bobby. If you're not first, you're last. What can I do? Because that person is better than me. Better than they do every day to get a. You know, I, I a lot of people joke with me and 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 they say, well, you, you know, you do radio and stream on Twitch and this and that, you know, and I and you watch nine million hours of wrestling and you're doing everything like that, and you know, ah, I just I get tired, and I always say, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead, and. You know, people laugh and go, ah, I wish it worked for me. And, and you know, it's fine. You know, like, I, I agree. I wish it worked for me, too. But that Mamba mentality that I have in my life because of what Kobe meant to me with, with his work ethic to be the best. And and I just, I can't, you know. I'll sleep five hours a day so I can bring you content every single day of the week if I have to. You know, I I just... You know that's that's what Kobe meant to me. Kobe was Kobe was more than just a basketball player, and I don't, and it's it's hard to describe, but it just it is what it is, man. It was it was fun. Like I I, I just I miss him. I miss him every fucking day. You know, excuse my language. It is what it is. This has been hard. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I want to play for you. From his final game, and then we're going to hit up uh, our track from our guy Mario. He's from ESPN 710 LA. But uh, let me let me get this in here. Well, here he goes. He will now address the fans here at Staples Center one last time. I can't believe how fast 20 years went by. I mean, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, to be standing here at center court with you guys, my teammates behind me, and uh, appreciating all this, you know, the journey that we've been on. You know, we've been through our ups and been through our downs. And uh, I think the most important part is that we all stay together throughout. You know, I grew up, I grew up a diehard, I mean a diehard Laker fan. Diehard. I mean, I knew, knew everything about every player that's ever played here. So, to be drafted and then traded to this organization and to spend 20 years here, I mean, you can't, you can't write something better than this. And I'm more proud, I'm more proud of the fact that not about the championships, but about the down years. Because we didn't run. We didn't run. We played through all that stuff. And we got our championships. And we did it the right way. And uh, all I can do here is just thank you guys. Thank you guys for all the years of support. Thank you guys for all the motivation. Thank you for all the inspiration. And, uh, you know, what's funny... <laughs> The thing that had me cracking up all night long was the fact that I go through 20 years of 
everybody screaming to pass the ball on the last night. They're like, don't pass it. <laughs> this, has been, this has been absolutely beautiful, you guys. I can't believe it's come to an end. Um, you guys will always be in my heart. And uh, I sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. No words can describe how I feel about you guys. And uh, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, God, I love you guys. And uh, I love you guys. And uh, my family, to my family, my wife Vanessa, our daughters Natalia and Gianna, you know, thank you guys for all your sacrifice. You know, for all the hours I spent in the gym working and training. And Vanessa, you holding down the family the way that you have. I, I, I can't, there's no way that I can thank you enough for that. So, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And, uh, what can I say? Mamba out. Mamba out. <laughs> I love the whole. You know, you guys are screaming all these years, pass it, pass it, pass it. And then tonight it's like, don't pass it, don't pass it. <laughs> that was, it was such an incredible game. I will never forget April 2016, I believe it was. Um, April 10th, maybe? God, what was the last day of his career? I thought it was April 10th. I might be wrong. I'm trying to scroll, scroll real quick. Scroll, scroll. I think it was April. God, this is a long Wikipedia page. <laughs> I apologize. April 13th, excuse me. Um, I mean, that game against the Jazz was incredible. I, I watched it with Demetrius, who you all know. And him as a Kings guy was still, you know, was like, oh, my God, this is just, he couldn't get over it. Like, it was, oh, it's so great. 60 points. <laughs> you can't write that. Some of the shots he was hitting, like, you can't fake that. You can't make that happen. It was incredible. Um, once again, guys, uh, we're going to leave you tonight to close out with uh, it's great, you know, our, our song, one of my favorite tracks from uh, Mario Ruiz. Hit him up, uh, I Am Mario Ruiz, uh, part of ESPN 710 LA. Uh, tomorrow night, Friday, 7 or 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, twitch.tv forward slash WrestleCast Radio, catch Pro Wrestling Summit. And then 11 p.m. Central Standard Time on Saturday night, right here on Blog Talk. You can catch us with our Royal Rumble review and our interview Live on air with Hoho Loon from Dragon Gate coming in. And then on Sunday over on Twitch, we will be delivering another WrestleCast show with our awards and some of the other stuff. So check that out. With that being said, Ryan Cook here, Solo Dolo, coming out here, getting you that two hours of, of all the good info on the Lolo. We're going to close out with this song. I love you all, guys. Thank you all for, thank you all for, putting, up for me, putting up with me tonight. Thanks to Ralph Mancini. Thanks to Johnny Kamer. Appreciate y'all. We'll see you next Thursday for SportsCast. We out. Kobe Bryant, at the end of the day, will go down as the greatest basketball player that has ever lived. My golden ring. Why? Mariana, oh. Come
coming out the gate motivated by the hate. hate. A modern day great and a legend in LA. I still fade away like a young number eight. And I ain't even done going hard in the paint. Nah, I shattered my Achilles, had me laying on the ground. Still got up and knocked the free throw down. Haters, doubters, come and get in line. I'm in the ring right now. Told it so was father time. Facilitate fine. Drop another dime. I'm fine like wine. This is Vino, baby. Do it for my daughters and my beautiful lady. You're dealing with a giant Kobe Bean Bryant. Take the helicopter down to Staples Center. Drop 81 Cern of Toronto Raptors. I laugh at the critics. You tickle me a little. Got a ring on five fingers and you can get the middle. And when they hate me and question the king, I just break another record. Laugh and I flash on my high golden ring. Unstoppable. And when they doubt me, all the numbers I bring. Lake Nation holds me down forever. They all sing. High golden ring. Yeah. What you thought, was done, thought I'd run, mama dead and gone, lower Marion to the upper echelon, straight out of high school, never look back, now I'm the king count, I'm a god of the game, they saying my name in vain, knowing damn well on any day I'm making it rain, Madison Square, Staples don't care, Hat Jack, he know I got, my first three with the big fellas, still they doubt him, laugh at the pack of letters, got a pair without him, 30 down with the books, and who don't pass up, 6,000 Assist, homie, can't be wrong I ain't the same ice water in my veins I'm playing through pain Still got the balls to take the shot at the end of the game Three on the clock, down by two Who's getting the rock? Asheville, nobody does it better It's Kobe And when they hate me And question the king I just break another record Laugh and I flash on my high golden ring Unstoppable And when they doubt me All the numbers I bring Lake Nation holds me down forever They all sing High golden ring All you fans for your incredible support. It means so much to us. We couldn't have done it without you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.